Believe in Clemson Football with LeVon Kirkland. Welcome to Believe in Clemson Football with LeVon Kirkland. I'm Will Vandervoort. It's um, off-season, sort of. I guess not. It's bowl season. That's I guess I need to say it right. Bowl it's bowl season as we right. get ready now for the uh, the bowl season here coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Of course, we got Army-Navy this weekend, LeVon. Mm, we'll yes. talk about that this week. I don't know about you, but because of my family ties, it's uh, uh, go Army, beat Navy. That's me. Mm-hmm. Uh, same so way here. Same way? Okay, good. All right. Yeah. All right. So uh, we'll both be kind of pulling for the uh, Army cadets there um, and hope they can uh, they can get a win this week. I love watching that game, man. Since mm-hmm. I was a little kid, I watched it every year with my stepdad. Uh, obviously, he was an Army guy, so we were pulling for Army every year. Um, so, man, that was just – I it's just one of my better, better memories. And the best thing about that game – is in the 1980s they were playing the triple option and still here in the 2010s they're still play, 20s they're playing the triple option so it's like it's like nostalgic yeah you gotta do what you gotta do and they understand that that's the formula for them to put them in the best position to win games so they still run the triple option and it's it's kind of effective some games it really catches catches people like wake forest playing against was it Navy or Army? Army. Army, yeah. And, I mean, it was like 70 almost to 60-something. So it can be effective, especially if you don't see it a whole lot, and especially if you, you don't really have the defenders to defend it well. So it, it is a great game. I look at it almost past the football because what they do and the sacrifices those players make to serve our country. So – that part of it I really like. And the game really means a whole lot. You're yeah. talking about skin into the game. You're talking about an investment in the game. When when the when the side loses that game, whether it's Army or Navy, I mean, you can feel the emotion. But also on the flip side, whoever wins, man, they're like the happiest dude. I mean, it's a, it's a joyous occasion. So it's kind of neat to see it from that perspective. And seeing these young men who are really quality young men that you would introduce your daughters to, to see them go out there and perform for God and country is really nice. It, it is. It is. And that's what makes it special. You're right, because some of those guys, the seniors, they're going to get deployed after after this. They're going to get their assignments and, and uh, they'll move on. And so, uh, you know, this is their last game um, as as 
college students, as football players, and then they go and serve their country. And I think about guys of the past like Roger Starback, who won the Heisman Trophy, then went and served the country for four years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think about, you know, there's other guys that have done the same thing he's done or he did. And just like, you know, um, that's just an amazing story that he came back to play football after he got done. But he went instead and served his country first because that's what it's ultimately about. That's why they go to this school. That's why they do it is to serve our country. And um, it's just awesome, man. I get chills every year watching it when they come out with the parade and the, the mm-hmm. both yeah. both sides come out and do their thing. And um, I would love to see it in person. It's on my bucket list. I've never got to witness it in person. It's on um, my bucket list as well. Yeah. It's just, uh, and, it, and I think it should be anybody who's a college football fan should love this. And I love game day, the way they do game day and how they talk about both service academies and what the game means. They bring back former players. They talk about what it means. And it's just, man, that's what college football is all about, man. Army Navy is really what college football is all about, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it, it really is, especially because most of those guys, more so than other teams, are those guys are not – their aspirations are not to go into the NFL. Mm-hmm. Their aspiration is to serve the country. And to lead and to lead this country, and to learn so much about leadership, and how to be physically, spiritually, mentally strong. When you go, when you when you're in this armed service, they they kind of give you a different type of education, mm-hmm. along with great. I mean, along with a great academic education as well. So I, I feel that you know they're some of our, our most excellent people. And when you, I always believe that you never hate on excellence. And if you don't really enjoy the Army Navy game, I don't really feel like you're a college football fan. I, I agree hundred percent. I agree. Yeah, I, I feel like if you don't, if you can't, everybody's always talking about the NIL. They talk about guys going to the transfer portal. They talk about all, all this stuff. But really, the true meaning of amateur sports, amateur football, is the Army-Navy game. Oh, man, I couldn't have said it better myself, man. That was a great way to say it. And uh, so, yeah, that's going to be this Saturday. I'm looking forward to that. We'll talk about that a little bit more this week as well. Obviously, we got a ton of news, LeVon, coming out of Clemson this weekend. A ton of news, A lot lot of stuff was happening. But before we get into that, let's give a shout-out to our sponsor. And if you're – you can go bet on the Army-Navy game um, if you want. Um, I've got some going background noise. I guess that's me, LeVon. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened. <laughs> but anyway, um, so uh, so uh, anyway, if you want to go bet on the Army-Navy game, you can go to our sponsor. That's betonline.ag. Uh, they're back and better than ever. they got a new website interface um that's going to help you for the rest of the college football season with the bowl season coming up and also with the nfl playoffs now getting closer and closer you can go with more props odds and lines than ever before uh bet online remains your number one sport for all your basketball and football action uh so head on over and uh, use your desktop or mobile website to sign up today to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use the promo code believe 50 that's b-l-e-a-v 50 to receive your bonus um, again, that's B-L-E-A-V, the number 50, uh, from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, and then right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available 
for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. So go to betonline.ag where the game starts. As I mentioned, ton of news, LeVon, coming out of Clemson. Let's just get right down to it. On Friday, news breaks that uh, Clemson Athletic Director Dan Radakovich is being uh, courted heavily by the University of Miami. Several reports said he was actually gone. Um, that's not true at this point. As me and you do this podcast at 1.54 on Monday, um, that is still not the case, though I think there's uh, something to it. Um, and we'll get into that here in just a little bit as well. Um, Clemson defense coordinator Brent Venables was officially named earlier this afternoon uh, in, a, in a formal setting. He was also named really on Sunday night, the new head athletic, excuse me, the new head football coach at the University of Oklahoma um, or Oklahoma University, I guess is more the better way to say that. Um, so he's the new head coach there. So Clemson's going to be looking for a new DC. We're going to kind of talk about that. Um, and then, you know, Tony Elliott, Clemson's offensive coordinator is now being mentioned as a serious candidate at both Duke and Virginia. And actually reports have said that he interviewed with Duke on Sunday for the job. Um, So that's interesting news. So LeVon, I'm going to get your first reaction to just Mm -hmm. the news I threw out there before we get into any more news, which I'll get you some stuff on what Britt Venable said to the media um, about, you know, getting the job. And then we'll talk about what Dabo Sweeney said about Britt Venable as well here in just a second. Go ahead, man. What what you think? Oh, okay. I, I thought you were going. Yeah. Well, there's always going to be change, no matter what. At some point in time, this was going to uh, be a shakeup. As as successful as Clemson has been, what Dabo Sweeney and his coaching staff has done in the last several years, you knew that people were going to be looking at those guys and saying, "How can we get that similar?" success mm-hmm. that's from the ad for the offensive coordinator to the defensive coordinator they want you know there's teams out there that are hungry for change hungry for a different kind of culture and clemson has been a shining example of not only playing great football but also graduating their young athletes so it has it you know i think they've done a good job of just hanging on to those guys for as long as they have I'm surprised the shakeup hasn't occurred earlier. And I think I think change can be good for all parties. I know some people are just like with Brent Venables, oh my gosh, we're losing uh, Brent. But I, I think it's good because he proved himself to, to be a head coach. Mm-hmm. I, I think as a leader, you want you want to encourage the people under you to go for higher heights. So to see him get a job. Tony's Tony's going to get a head coaching job at some point in time. I, I think for, it speaks a lot about Dabo and what he has done as far as changing the culture around. If you're a Clemson fan, I wouldn't worry so much because it's all about getting the right guy, getting the right defensive coordinator or getting the right offensive coordinator. And maybe the newness could be really good for Clemson. Mm-hmm. You, you never know, but you got to congratulate guys for going to another level, um, getting jobs that they always wanted to get. I mean, it's big time to be a big five head coach, you know? So I, I'm happy for those guys, but I, I saw this, this writing on the wall a long time ago. It, it was no way that you could just hold on to those guys forever. 
Mm-mm. You know, somebody's going to, you know, whether it's money related or whatever the situation is, you know, if you get offered $10 million a year to coach, I mean, who am I to stop you from being a coach? I, I, I can't. So I, I think it's good all the way around. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be tough for Clemson to replace those guys, but I think if anyone could do it, uh, the caliber of head coach that Dabo is, he'll be able to do it. Yeah, I, I agree, and it's um, it, it, you, we all knew it was coming, and and you uh, you're happy for Coach Venables, and if Tony gets his opportunity at one of those two schools, you, you're happy for Tony as well. Both guys have been loyal to Clemson; they've been uh, good coaches, and um, you know it, this was just you know I was told on uh, last week, and I think I even said in this podcast that. You know, there was one job Brent Venables would leave Clemson for. He had opportunities. He turned down Kansas State a couple years ago. Right. That was his alma mater. He turned him down. Uh, He turned down Auburn last year. We know that. Um, And because he just didn't think it was the right fit for him. Um, But I was told that there's one job, if it opens, if it ever were to open, would be Oklahoma, he would leave. And there was nothing really Clemson can do to keep them, you know, and that's what happened. And it kind of broke last week. I think Oklahoma wanted to do his due diligence and talk to a few more people. Um, Georgia's uh, defense coordinator was one of them. Um, they also wanted to take talk to Cincinnati's head coach. They had to wait till the playoffs were over before they could really get to talk to him. So they waited, excuse me, the championship week was over before they could do that. And um, so once they kind of got a feel for what those two guys were wanting to do or, or if they were the right guys, I think then they were satisfied to say, okay, let's bring Brent on now. Let's move it. Let's go ahead and speed this process up. And he's our guy. He was always our guy, but we wanted to make sure we checked all the boxes first. And they did that. And, um, you know, I'm sure they talked to a few more people other than that too, as well, to be honest with you. Um, so, because you remember, you heard about it early last week. It's like, oh my gosh, Brent Venables is going to Oklahoma. And then it just died. And you didn't mm-hmm. hear about it for, three, four days where it wasn't even brought up when you can hear his name associated with it. And then all of a sudden Sunday comes and boom, my phone starts going crazy, you know, and the next thing we know he's accepted the job and they were working out a deal and all that good stuff. And then last night he flew to Norman. They came here to Clemson, pick, picked him up, kind of like picked him and the family up at Brent's house and then came all the and then went back all the way to Norman and introduced him to the fans that were there thousands of fans at the airport kind of reminded me of Clemson that's something Clemson would do um mm-hmm. you know and that was cool to see and then you know he got the uh you know he talked he spoke spent a few minutes and talked to the fans there and uh this is what he said um um uh, in a statement that they released from Oklahoma this is an incredibly special opportunity Venable said in a release uh, one of the winning Oklahoma is calling them Sooners is one of the winningest and most rich traditions in college football history. There's no question. We are equipped to compete at the very highest level and attract the best players from across the country. The OU logo has never been so strong. Um, Venables, of course, is one of the top defensive minds in college football and has been a major part of Clemson's championship runner, Dabo Sweeney. Um, he has a long history at Oklahoma, though. He was on the Sooner staff from 1999 to 2011 as co-defensive coordinator, and, and, two, and, and from 1999 to 2003 as a defensive coordinator, excuse me, as linebackers coach, and then um, 04 to 11 as a defensive coordinator. Uh, while at Clemson, Venables was the Browse Award winner in 2016 as the top assistant coach in college football. He turned down multiple head coaching opportunities in recent years to stay at Clemson. Um, 
And so uh, that's pretty much that on that. Uh, Babo Sweeney released a statement earlier too. want to get that out there uh, so people can hear that. Um, Dabo Sweeney, this came out just before we got on the podcast with Vaughn, just a few minutes before. Um, he says, I'm super excited for Brent and Julie and the entire Venables family. Man, it's not only been a great um, – man, he's not only been a great coworker and defensive coordinator, but he's been a great friend. I'm so excited for this opportunity for him. He's been very patient. He's had, he's had many opportunities along the way. This was just the right fit for him and the right time for him. And with a lot of familiarity with him at Oklahoma, I know he is well-prepared. It's been fun for me to watch him really grow since 2012. I'm excited for Oklahoma because they're not only getting a good coach, they're also getting a great man who's going to do it the right way. His hiring is a great, a great accomplishment uh, to our, excuse me, is a great compliment to our program and to all the great players that we've had. I'm going to miss him. But at the same time, I'm also excited about moving forward here and the great opportunity they had. Today's a great day for Brent and his family and a great day for Oklahoma and the entire Clemson family. And, I, and we are proud and thankful for what he has done the last 10 years here as he lives and, um, excuse me, and the lives he's impacted in this process during his time at Clemson. So uh, there's, that's Clemson head coach Dabo Sweeney in a rela- statement he released just before we came on this podcast on, on Monday. Um, LaVon, your thoughts on Dabo Sweeney? Obviously, you know, he's thrilled for his friend. Yeah, and he, and he should be because I think Brent really took the defense to another level that you haven't seen since the late 80s, early 90s kind of defense around here at Clemson University. I dare say if you don't bring him along, maybe you don't win those championships that you won. Mm-hmm. So – you can only be happy for somebody when you bring them along and it works out very well and your leadership has helped them get a job to do something that they want to do. Uh, I'm sure that he's going to miss them, just like he said, but time moves on and you can't fault people for wanting to take an opportunity to move on. I, I think if you're the Clemson fan base, man, you, you, you try to understand where a man comes from where he has an opportunity. And he has an opportunity to do something well, maybe win his own national championship. You just really never know. I met I met Coach Venables on several occasions, man. He really gave – I went to visit his linebackers, and he really stopped practice to introduce all his linebackers to me. And I thought that was something he didn't have to do. When I was at FAMU, he let me sit in. In one of his meetings, gave me different ideas of what to do on defense. <clears throat> I'm sorry about that. Bless you, man. <clears throat> one of those good sneezes. <laughs> and I appreciate him there. I mean, he's just a really kind, understanding man that just loved defense. I tell you what, Oklahoma, the that team is going to play with a lot of energy. If they don't do anything else, they're going to play with a lot of energy, and it's going to be fun to watch, and I'm going to root for him as well. So, man, you, you hate to miss a guy like that, but you definitely understand when the opportunity and when God is speaking to you to move on, you have to move on. Yep, you do. Uh, and trust me, I think me and you both know that better than anybody. Um, other news, just to kind of – which will kind of play into Clemson here a little bit. Um Miami, this morning, the worst-kept secret in America, 
uh, <laughs> fired uh, Manny Diaz as their head coach um, after three years there. Um, then they've turned around and immediately hired Oregon head coach Mario Cristobal, and he told Oregon this morning that he was leaving to take another job at another school, but they wouldn't say at that time what it was, but we all know what it is. It's Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was an interesting situation. And of course, why am I bringing this up with Clemson's news and notes is because part of Cristobal coming to Oregon was that Dan Radakovich was going to be swept away from Clemson, Clemson's longtime athletic director, and is going to be the new athletic director down at Miami. Now, nothing official has come out on that front, though I've had several sources over the weekend tell me, you know, um, there's something there. Uh, Radakovich, there was reports Radakovich was talking to his senior staff and telling him, telling them that he was leaving. None of that happened. Radakovich talked to nobody at Clemson about leaving, if he's leaving or not. We, what we do know is this. He was offered a job at Miami, and Clemson has counteroffered. And he's mauling, at this time, it was me and you talk, he's mauling it over between the right. two schools. Um, I do know, and I won't say it here because it's not my place to say it, I do know there's some reasons for Radakovich going if he wants to go, and I totally get it and understand it. Um, and so um, sometimes it's not all about money. And I can honestly say in this situation – if he was to leave Clemson, it he's going to get a nice raise. But trust me, it has nothing to do with money. It really doesn't. Well, yeah, sometimes you do things because it's a calling. It's an opportunity for you to do something different. I know a lot of times we get comfortable in our situations and we want to stay there because it's a comfort. Mm-hmm. You know, who doesn't like comfort? But I think to really grow as a human being, you have to challenge yourself. And I think that going to Miami would be uh, another kind of challenge, a a newness there that I think that the fan base at Miami has been wanting for quite some time. I think DS was not quite prepared for Miami. I think it was a really tough deal. And when you think about Miami, man, there's so much expectation. Everybody's looking for those 80 teams, those, you know, those 90 teams, those early 2000 teams. They're looking for that rich Miami heritage in football and Miami is not quite there. Mm -hmm. They have a long way to go. I mean, in this world of globalization, I mean, you just can't recruit in the state of Miami and think that's going to solve your problems. Saying you're the U does not do it anymore. Yeah. Doing saying you're the U and all this and who cares? Yeah. You know, um, you haven't won anything of late. You haven't done anything of late. Nice tradition that you have, but that's in the past. We're talking about the now. And in the now, you have been pretty much a second-tier team. Yep. And And, so – I'm sure that fan base wants to get out there and be that first-tier team because, as we know, as Clemson people, it feels good to be on top. Yeah, it does. And so, speaking of Clemson and what what we've heard, and the same thing as at Florida – that Florida, you know, they hired Billy Napier, the former Clemson and Alabama assistant, um, Louisiana head coach, to come to Florida and be the head coach. He started uh, – I think he was formally introduced this past weekend. Um, you know, so what we've heard reports coming out is Florida's going to give Billy everything but the kitchen sink. In other words, they're going to they're gonna, um, do some things on the facility side. They're also going to do some things within his staff. They're going to give him a lot of funds – 
and they're going to re, kind of rebuild their recruiting base and how they do things, similar to what you've seen Clemson and Alabama do. I remember, where was Billy Napier at the first two times? Uh, you know, when he was an assistant coach, look who he's learned from. You know, he's going to, he's going to go and bring in this new structure. Um, it's going to be – they're going to throw a lot of money in there um, into his assistant coaches, into his recruiting budget, um, and into his staff. And what I mean by that is, like, analysts and people of that nature, just like you see at Clemson and Alabama, that's how you that's do it. it. And now we're hearing that's what Miami's going to do. That's why they want to bring Radakovich in because a there's word that they'd have a billion dollar donor who wants to build a new football stadium on campus for Miami to have their own stadium. Finally. Well, who do you go get if there's a new facility that needs to be built? Who's the best at finding a way to get it done? Radakovich. Yeah. Dan Radakovich. He's the best. Yeah, Radakovich has been the best at doing that. For quite some time. Yeah, exactly. Look what he's done at Clemson. Look at all the facilities yeah. upgrades at Clemson that Clemson's yeah. had. So it's smart by Miami. And then, you know, they've told Miami, they've told Cristobal, hey, look, come here. We're going to give you everything that you saw at Alabama when he was also a Nick Saban disciple. Oh, we're going to give you the recruiting budget. We're going to give you the, 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 the uh, staff and the support staff that you need to be successful because if you're going to compete with Clemson and Alabama and Ohio state and Georgia and Michigan, now you have to have all those things we just talked about. These are what these great teams, Oklahoma, these are what these great teams have. That's why Brent Venables went to Oklahoma because everything's in place already for him to go in there and plug and play, you know? And, and so this is what, and then he got a dynamic quarterback with um, Oklahoma. Yeah, well. with Williams. Caleb Williams. He has, a, he has a dynamic quarterback that, and as we said before, I really believe, just like in the NFL, you have to have a dynamic quarterback that can get you there, who can get you over the top. Mm-hmm. And you, you see it happening all the time. You, you get quarterbacks who are managers of game, and that's fine and good. But when it comes to a higher level of competition environment, a lot of times those quarterbacks, are, they, they can't get it done. They right. just can't get it done because they don't have that ability. They don't have the intangibles to get it done. They're just being really good, nice managers. They don't hurt you. But when you get into the playoff situation, you need that quarterback. And also, if you're trying to get into the playoffs, just like you talked about, you need those facilities, you need the staff, and the support system that's going to help you get there. Exactly. If you don't have nowadays, if you don't have the sleep study, if you don't have the nutritional, um, nutritional people, if you don't have the life coaching, if you don't have all that, you're, you're going to be, you're not going to be as successful. It's hard. It's going to be hard. Maybe you'll be successful, but you won't get to that highest level. And there is a battle, a race to get to the highest level. Those teams that have been good in the past but haven't sniffed the playoffs, like Florida and Miami, they're throwing the vault mm-hmm. at coaches and ADs now. Yep. So it's going to be competition not only in the coaching realm, but also competition in who has the best AD, who has the most money, who invests the most in their football program because – it brings in a whole boatload, a boatload of money. Mm-hmm. You, you've got to invest in. 
you got to keep building. You got to keep going forward because if you don't and you kind of like, oh, we're good, that's when you're going to start going backwards. Absolutely. And, and a lot of, you know, everything that people, everything you said is what college football is about today. And when you looked at this past week where we had uh, Southern Cal come in and raid Oklahoma and take Lincoln Riley away, we saw LSU go to Notre Dame and raid Brian Kelly and raid Notre Dame and take Brian Kelly away. You know, then we're seeing Miami go and raid Oregon and take their coach away. Um, even when they still had a coach at the time and, and also now raid Clemson and take their AD. It just goes to show you that if you're willing to put the money in and you think somebody you can call and somebody's going to listen, then, you know, you go and make that phone call. Now we're in before in the past, You'd be like, well, you know, he's kind of untouchable. You know, we don't go bother Nick Saban at Alabama or Dabo Sweeney at Clemson because those programs are set. They're not going anywhere. They built these programs. That's not necessarily true anymore. And I'm not saying Nick nope. Saban and Dabo are going to go anywhere. I'm but saying – right. It's not true. It's not true anymore. I think people – if the money – and not saying Dabo and Nick would do this, but I'm just saying you get a big-time coach now, and Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly are perfect examples of it, and – Mario, Mario Cristobal, you get a big-time coach. I don't care how much you're getting paid. If you offer him enough money and you say, hey, look, we're going to give you all this, it's enticing. And even a coach who's set and has got a program that's winning and is doing the things it needs to do to be successful, they're thinking, well, maybe if I go here, though, I can win a national championship. And that's the difference. That's why you saw Brian Kelly leave Notre Dame, Right. Now, I'll tell you why Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma, because I don't think he wanted to compete in the SEC, to be honest with you. I think that's what it was. So well, he thought I mean, he could win. Go to Pat, he could go, he could go, go to, to Southern Cal and, win, and have a better chance to compete for a national championship every year. Exactly. I, and that's So it sort of is the same thing. And then, you know, you look at uh, Mario Cristobal, and he's like, Oregon's great, but what is, has Oregon ever been a player? Have they ever they've, – they've played for the national title a couple times but they've never been a consistent player, but I can go to Miami and they're promising me the world. And if I can do this at Miami, then I might win a national championship or two down there because they've done it in the past where Oregon still hasn't done it. Well, money talks and you know, the other stuff walks. Yeah. And now people are being more aggressive. You know, at one point in time, it was a gentleman's handshake or this is untouchable. Now it's just like, who can we go get? Who can we raid and have their pro, you know, their expertise be our expertise? Mm -hmm. So now that's what you're seeing. That's what you're seeing. I think now, if you're a Clemson or whatever, maybe you go after young guys, maybe young bright minds who are who are going to be incredible DCs or incredible offensive coordinators that have a newness to them. Maybe you go that because the established guys are going to start going everywhere now. Mm -hmm. They're going to start going everywhere because they know they only have a limited opportunity to do some things that they want to do. That's a good point. Yeah. That's so good point. I, I think that, you know, this is just a part of it. Just like we talked about the transfer portal and some people are like, well, no, we're not going to go there. We're not going to touch it. Now it's free agency just in college. And exactly. you maybe go into the transfer portal, no matter who you are, whether you're Alabama or Clemson, 
you go on the transfer portal and you get proven players. And maybe you get them for one or two years, but they can help your program while you're developing the other players. And if you can teach your team, if you can teach the guys about maybe being patient, or now do you recruit more five-star guys? Or do you recruit more three- and four-star guys? That's going to be the buck of your team. Mm -hmm. Because if you recruit too many five-star guys, they're not happy, guess what they're going to do? Going to transfer. Absolutely. And it has been... And I, it has been proven. So do you recruit differently now? Because of guys can leave and go. Do you invest in, you know, certain amount of five-star guys and try to build to the three, you know, four, four and three-star guys? And then also the transfer portal, you try to get need-based? I think it's a question for every sport in college football or college now. Mm-hmm. How do you handle this transfer portal? Is it more of a model of the NFL? Because you think of the NFL, the NFL is not just full of this first and second round picks on a the team. There's fourth and fifth round. That's the bulk of the team. And you got your you got your five stars, of course, and you got your four stars. But I think just stop stop piling on five stars, maybe not the way to go anymore. Maybe, maybe not, but there is one big-time recruit with even Venables' departure to Oklahoma, who Venables recruited to Clemson, and he's a commit for this current class that's coming up here, the 2022 class. Um, so, uh, anyway, uh, the Clemson Insider reached out to Tampa, Florida's Jessup three-star linebacker and Clemson commit Wade uh, Woods and to get his reaction to the Tigers' defense corner leaving. Obviously, I'm disappointed, but I want to wish Coach V all the best. Uh, Woods says that he has uh, officially visited Clemson this weekend. It sounds like he's verbally committed to the Tigers. Uh, his verbal commitment to the Tigers will remain solid. Also, another one of the top players also came out on Twitter and said he was committed to Clemson um, and that he is uh, he's staying with Clemson as well. Um, so Clemson's not totally losing their players yet. And maybe they won't because Venables is not going to poach. That's not who he is. Um, I don't think he's going to intentionally poach Clemson's recruiting class. He's not. He's going to let those kids make their own decisions and do what they want to do. But now speaking of his own kid, Venables was asked in his press conference today, you know, would Tyler Venables come to Oklahoma with him? Um, And Tyler is, of course, the safety, uh, reserve safety for Clemson, played a lot this past season. Um, Venables said that Tyler – plans to play in the bowl game at this time, and then basically they'll go from there. Uh, so he's going to play in the bowl game for Clemson. Um, but – and that makes sense to me if Tyler Venables wants to leave because it's not like he has to get to Oklahoma and learn the system. <laughs> it's his dad's system. He knows it. So it's yeah. not it's not like it's going to – like he needs to leave now. Like some guys you saw when Pupachon and those guys left, they had to leave now because they had to get all that stuff arranged. They want to get in there and learn as much as they can – so when January gets here, they can start working out with the team and all that stuff. He's not that way. He's kind of like, you know, if he's going to go to Oklahoma, he's either going to go one or two places. He's going to stay at Clemson or go to Oklahoma. We know that. And if he goes to Oklahoma, it doesn't matter if it comes in January when he leaves because he already knows what the plan is and the system is. His situation is just like any veteran situation in NFL. You see a, you see a coordinator leave, and then he brings guys – 
that can implement the system with them. Mm-hmm. And that's what Tyler, that what Tyler bring to Oklahoma. He would bring a veteran president who's been around, especially when you talk about the free safety is basically the, the guy in the secondary. He's going to, it's just like NFL free agency. You bring guys that you know, that know the system, that buys into the system to come to you and play. So that's what it is now. Yeah. That's what it is. It's, it's, a, it's the NFL just on a lower level. If the NFL had a development system, college football, which has always been the NFL development system. Now, and now I, even more so when you're talking about how things are run, how players are evaluated, it's becoming more of an NFL system. Yeah. Now, for Clemson fans out there listening, and I'm not panicking, don't panic or anything, and LaVon, I know you're a huge fan of this young man and love that he's at Clemson. Um, but Trenton Simpson yesterday, after Venables was announced as going to be the new coach at um, Oklahoma, he uh, changed his profile on Twitter and his background to black, which if you go look at anybody who's joined the transfer portal, that's what they do because they, to them, they have no team. And that's kind of how they represent that. I don't know if that's what Trent's doing here. No, he is not. As of right now, he's not in the transfer portal. Um, haven't heard any reports of it. But it would not surprise me if he puts himself in the transfer portal and then goes to Oklahoma to be with his coach because he loves Brent Venables, as a lot of those guys do. But he really does. And, um, I, you know, if he feels like Brent Venables gives him the best to be – to help him get to the league, then I can understand why he would want to make that move. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely understand it too. There's a little bit more to it. You, you're talking about atmosphere. You're talking about surroundings as well. Mm-hmm. As a young man, I would hope that you take that in factor instead of just blindly going because your coach is going there. Sometimes it may not be the same. Right. Even if it's the same coach, it may not be the same. So I think you have to be careful there. But Trent has really done well. Uh, Trent has... I, I, you know, when I, when I did some instruction with him in the rivals camp, you could see what kind of player he could possibly be. So, and who's the player I said reminds me more of me than any other player. He's Trent Simpson. Trent Simpson. I always said, I think he reminds me a little bit of me as a player. So that would be a big loss for the Tigers. Oh. And this is what this whole crazy world has come to. Mm-hmm. You can't be surprised anymore when you lose not only players who are disgruntled, but really good players because there's been a coaching change. Right. And that's this position coach. And so you understand it. So my question is, does Barrett Carter, who came to Clemson because of Brent Venables, does he go with them? Because that's his coach. These are the linebackers. Barrett Carter's probably you're starting. I mean, Clemson's already going to lose Skowski Inspector. You know, because they're, they're seniors and they're gone. Their their careers are over. They're already losing those two. Now there's possible they could lose Trent Simpson. And who's to say Barrett Carter doesn't do the same thing? I'm not yeah. saying he's going to. I'm not saying Simpson's going to go. But it's something you got to think about. And then maybe some other guys. You know, I got, think you got. I think you got to think about it all the time. I, I think yeah. that you know you got to always think about who can replace who or how can you keep guys in. You know, when you have some kind of turnover like that, how do you keep key guys 
in place and not be emotional and not saying that I'm going to leave because my coach is leaving. And I think Brent will be the first to talk to those guys and say, hey, look, guys, I want you to come. Don't get me wrong, but let's make sure you're doing this for the right reasons. And I think Brent will be the first. He Again, Brent's not going to poach the roster. He's not going to poach the thing. Brent, Brent loves Clemson. He wants Clemson to be successful. I can tell you that. He's not going to yeah. poach the recruiting classes or his roster, the Clemson roster. But he can't help it if players want to come play for him. Um, and I think that's where you're right. I think Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson coaches are going to have to sit down and talk to these young men and say, hey, guys, let's make sure before we do anything rational, this is the best move for you. And that's the key thing. Um, it's not the best move for Brent. It's not the best move for me. It's the best move for you. And I think that's what the players need, like you said. Just because, you know, you're going to go where your coach is, they may not like the school. They may not like their professors. Right. They may not yeah. like the nutrition coach or the strength coach. They don't right. know what's awaiting them when they get to Oklahoma. So they got to be careful on that. Yeah, I, I think that's always the case. You know, it seems like a good a good idea. Maybe this will be my opportunity to start. Maybe this will be my opportunity to shine. But a lot of times you just don't know the atmosphere that's at another school. You may not, like, like you said, you may not like the school. Mm-hmm. You know, you may not like the surrounding area. And you're at a place that you do like. I think you have to be careful of saying, I'm just going to, I'm just going to drive this new car and I don't really know anything about it. <laughs> I'm just going to purchase this car and not have an idea how it feels, how it drives, how it handles the curve, what kind of gas mileage that it does take. You have to be careful, I think. Yeah. I think especially guys who are like, man, this is happening. I'm emotional about it and I want to go with my coach. Then he's also a different coach. Now he's your head coach, mm-hmm. not your personal defensive coordinator or your individual coach. Now you get a different individual coach. Are you going to like that guy? I, I mean, do you know? You don't know. That's the thing. That, yeah. That's why they got to be careful. Like, you just don't jump in there and, you know, nobody so far. I don't. I haven't looked at Barrett Carter's Twitter. I just – somebody brought me the attention of Trent Simpson's. I was like, oh. Because generally, that means the kid's going into the transfer portal. I mean, nine times out of ten, that's what it means. It doesn't always mean it. There are a few exceptions, yeah. um, but at least means they're thinking about it. And so, yeah, and I think that's. I'm, I'm telling you, I think you have to have someone in place that can talk to the kid on their level and help them to figure it all out. Mm-hmm. I, I think you need to at least have someone that they can go to, that they can converse with, and maybe help them weigh the situation. Mm-hmm. I feel if you let some of these kids make these decisions, even though, yes, it is their decision, but you don't want kids making emotional decisions. And you don't want kids doing something that later on they're going to regret. Exactly. Um, before we get too far down to it, yes, Clipson is playing in a bowl game. <laughs> I know I know. a lot of people are like, are y'all going to talk about the bowl game? I mean – and yeah. we're going to we're going to talk about the bowl game. Clemson, in case you were under a rock and didn't know, Clemson is um, p- going to play Iowa State um, in the Cheez It Bowl in Orlando. Um, not surprised that they're playing in the Sunshine State. I figure it's going to be one. It was either going to be Orlando or it's going to be in Jacksonville, the Gator Bowl that they were going to land. 
Um, I was kind of hoping for the Gator Bowl, really, to be honest with you, LeBron. I was thinking Gator Bowl myself. Yeah, um, but, you know, things happen. Um, there was a little uh, okey-doke done with some of the bowls um, in the ACC. It's a little different than it used to be. Like, back in your day, LeBron, in my day, they're like the bowls would basically pick the team. Like, you know, and their teams in the school would work out a deal with the bowl game, and that's how it would go, um, you know. And so then an invitation would be sent to that team. Then, the, then you know, the college football playoffs, well, then the BCS system came, and then it became tier bowls, right, to where it's like, okay, you slotted teams to mm-hmm. fall in this bowl, and there was rules, like, within one win of a conference win, you could take this team, blah, blah, blah. That's how it all worked. Then came the college football playoff era where the, um, the playoffs would come in, and they would select the playoff teams and then the New Year's Six games, and then, um, which they still sort of do, and then the conference, and the and then the, they would leave it up to the bowl games to go to the tiers again. The tier rule would walk in, and said it until this year, things changed this year. Now, bowls can negotiate with the conference and the schools on who they want. Uh, so basically, the conference, the ACC, the tiers are gone, so that's no longer an issue. Now the the ACC can say, okay, uh, Clemson, where would you like to go? And Clemson would say, we want to stay in the state of Florida if we can. Maybe blah, blah, blah. And then they'll say, okay, so they'll go to the Gator Bowl and to the other bowl game and say, okay, Clemson's interested in going to one of your two bowl games, either the Gator or the Cheez-It Bowl. Um, what do you guys want? Cheez-It, you're, you're higher on our pecking order as far as money and all that. So, obviously, they get first choice. And then and Cheez-It may be say, hey, look, we want to take Clemson. Mm-hmm. If Clemson's there, Clemson's interested, we're interested. And that's kind of how it works now. So it's like you okay. got three. So it's like a negotiation, sort of like it was back in the day, is that the conference is involved and they're sort of the middleman between the mm-hmm. bowl game and the school now. So that's how it's working. So Clemson gets the Cheese It Bowl. Wake Forest goes to the Gator Bowl. Um, Pittsburgh, of course, is going to the Chick fil A Bowl, the New Year's Six game. And then NC State gets shipped all the way out to the San Diego Bowl. Now, maybe NC State wanted to do that. I don't know. But, man, it seemed like if you're NC State, you're like, hold on a second, what? <laughs> we uh, got to spend the most money to go bowling? <laughs> NC State is called who's going to bring the fan base. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would think NC State would have better fan base than Wake Forest. Maybe. <laughs> you know, yeah, I you mean. Would think, you would think so. I mean, you would but, think. Uh, uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen. Yeah, and um, and I knew all those bowl games were all into Clemson, like all of them wanted Clemson. Um, Why would I, I know them? the San Diego, the the Holiday Bowl people, guy told me, he's like, man, if Clemson's there, we're taking Clemson. Mm-hmm. Now, he told me he didn't think Clemson was going to be there, but he's like, if Clemson's there, we're taking Clemson. He said Clemson, NC State, and Pittsburgh were their top teams. Well, they got NC State. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and maybe NC State fans will go out there and enjoy it. Maybe this was Dave Doran saying, hey, I want to give my kids a different bowl experience. Maybe. I want them, you know, that could have been it too, you know, because, you know, let's be honest, Clemson's, Clemson's had all those bowl experiences, right? So mm-hmm. I think going to Florida probably is the best fit for Clemson because, you know, you've gone everywhere else and Florida's a nice warm place, especially Orlando that time of the year. Yeah, and fan base don't mind traveling down to Florida. Yeah, exactly. So I think I think that's how it works with Clemson, you know. But I guess Dave Doran's looking at it like, well, we can't go to a New Year's Six Bowl or something. Let's go do something we've never been able to do before. Let's go to let's go to San Diego. Maybe that's the way he looked at it. 
and really no, didn't you, think about the fans because I can tell you the NC State fans aren't traveling to San Diego. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. Yeah, that's gonna be tough. Even though San Diego is a great place to go, though. Oh, it's beautiful. If, if, if you got the funds and you got the time, I would suggest that you go. I love San Diego. I yeah, love it. San Diego I love is it. great. I, I really believe like the Hawaii and San Diego are probably what heaven's like. <laughs> I really believe that. Yes. I mean, the especially weather, the weather. The weather's unbelievable. Like it's yeah, never man. it's never cloudy. It never yeah. rains. It's never mm-hmm. hot. It's never cold. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's it's really perfect weather. It really is. It really is. I mean, I, I used to love going to San Diego. I me too. I, I smile. Yeah. I, I enjoy, I've enjoyed it when I've gone, and it's a, it's a great, beautiful place. Um, and if you go to California, I always say get the strawberries. There's nothing better than strawberries in California now. They're like this big, I kid you not, and they are so sweet. You can't find a, a strawberry, and I'm showing how big it is. I'm thinking, you guys can't see it, obviously. But what I'm saying, I probably was well, about three inches long there. Mm-hmm. So if they're about that, and they're wide. They're fat, and right. they're so sweet. Like you don't need any sugar on them. You don't need wow. anything on them. I mean, you just pick them up, eat them, and it's like, oh, my gosh. They're mm-hmm. that amazing. And you can't find that in South Carolina. No, you can't. You, you can try. I have never seen that in South Carolina. No, you, you can't. You can't find them in South Carolina. They're, they're, that's a California thing, man. It don't right. matter what part of California you go to. Obviously, it's better in San Diego and Los Angeles. But right. even in San Francisco, they're great. You know, um, yeah. been up there a couple of times. So Yeah, I like San Francisco in, in ways. I mean, the weather is not always great, but – it's a neat place to go to. Great it restaurants. Is. It is great restaurants. But uh, so sh- if you go out there, if you go next time you're out Calif- Southern California, get the strawberries. Um, you're not going to be disappointed uh, at, at all with that. So anyway, that's sort of the bold thing. We'll get into that. Clemson's playing Iowa State. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. Um, but now we're going to kind of go go back to Brent Venables, um, Levon, and we've talked about a little bit um, what it means and all that stuff that comes with it. Um, but uh, hold on just a second here. Uh, but I want to kind of like look at the replacing Coach Venables kind of deal. You know, this is going to be the biggest in the since Dabo brought Brent Venables on, this is going to be the biggest hire he's made. Do you agree? Yeah, no question. No question. I, I think that, I mean, the, the question is do you stay in house and do you bring familiarity to your team? You know, mm-hmm. a coach that the guys know, a coach that the guys have trusted in playing. So do you look that way or do you bring somebody different in? Do you bring somebody with a different style or similar style? I think there's several ways you do it. And I'm sure that Dabo's probably been thinking about this for quite some time. Like if this was to happen in this scenario, who would be the guy that I want to replace Brent Venables with Tony Elliott? Because you know, it's eventually going to happen. With those guys, you knew it was going to eventually happen. So yeah. I, I don't really know anybody on the list. I'm not in the know as far as that concerned, but it's going to be an interesting hire, to yeah. say the least. And I, I mean, I think about I think about the Miami coach, uh, Manny Diaz. Could he possibly be a, a guy? I'm, I'm glad that, you brought him up, yeah. That you look at as, you know, you played against him, now, if Manny Diaz wasn't a good head coach, he was a hell of a defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. He got and a track he record. Has, he has the energy. He has the know-how. He's been around. I think that wouldn't be a bad hire. I'm going to throw somebody out there that 
people may not think of, but he's in he's on the coaching level. I think he relates to young people very well. He's one of the best, he's one of the best defensive line coaches in the NFL. Preston Buckner. He's a I mean, like Preston Buckner has coached the guys, guys in the league for a long time. Well, Princeton though want to do the recruiting thing. I don't know if he wants, but he may not want to do that. But I don't know if he would be a bad hire. I think Princeton would be a really good hire, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think he really. He loves Clemson. Any kids home? Huh? He loves Clemson. He loves Clemson. I think he can go in any home. But the thing about him is his son plays in Oregon Mm -hmm. at this point in time now, and I don't know if he wants to leave the. Even though Arizona is not exactly on the West Coast, his son could come play. His son could come play for him at Clemson, though. His son could come play for him at Clemson. (laughs) That'd be a legacy thing. Yeah, I I know a lot of people probably didn't think of that, but um, Bristol Buckner may not be a bad hire. That that name um, that name resonates with me, obviously. Um, You know, like you said, he's got he's done a great job. Another guy in the NFL, I think. I'm with you. I thought Manny Diaz right off the bat when Miami fired him. I'm like, okay, here, this is a guy. Um, I don't know what him and Dabo's relationship is. I've never heard anything bad. So, um, I, you know, um, like, you know, a lot of people talk about Will Muschamp, and I'm like, (laughs) no, no, no. Dabo and Will Muschamp don't get along. And so that's not going to happen. First of all, Will Muschamp is not coming to Clemson to coach. That just wouldn't be a good mix at all. That's like me going to the University of South Carolina and being involved, that's just not going to happen. Not, not going to happen. No. Yeah. And I, and I, just, yeah. And yeah. they don't get along. I mean, they're, they, the, 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 there's history there. Right. I haven't heard that with Manny Diaz. You know, I haven't heard that, you know, they, they've had issues with each other in recruiting trails or anything like that. I haven't heard any of that stuff. So I think there might be some play there. You know, right. and Manny, I think Manny could be a guy that I think could come in and really fit the culture at Clemson. To be oh, no question about it, um, especially the defensive culture. I mean, he has a lot of energy, what I've seen, a lot of energy, a lot of love for defense, and it might be a welcome change for him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So no, another guy I thought of also in the NFL right now, and he's also, also a defensive line coach, is uh, Marion Hobby, who was the co-defensive coordinator up until 2016 right. uh, for Dabo from 2011 to 2016. He's co-defensive coordinator. Um you know, there was a time when people thought that he was being groomed to be the DC for Dabo because Dabo figured Brent would get a job at some point and he'd want to have somebody in place. But then Marion left after the 16th season to go to the NFL. Now, the only question with Marion is he enjoys the NFL a lot. He likes college football. He likes, you know, doing it, being a DC at a coach at the college level, but. Marion's never been a big fan of the recruiting because of how much recruiting takes you away from the family, it, stuff and, like that. And most and most NFL coaches think that way. Exactly. Um, a lot of people assume that on the NFL level, that is tougher. The coaching, um, from the assistant coaching standpoint, it's really not. College is a little bit more difficult because now you're de- dealing with recruiting almost 24-7, 12 months out of the year. Mm-hmm. In the NFL, quite honestly, you get a lot of time off as a as an assistant coach. You mm-hmm. really do. After the season is over with, you usually get a month or so um, off after the um, 
after the after training camp, you're getting time off. You don't ever have to worry about, you know, you really don't have to worry about recruiting. You have some say so as far as the draft is concerned, but not a whole lot of say so. Just not a whole lot of say so. So you basically coach what they draft, mm-hmm. you know. But in college, you're a little bit more invested in who who you bring in, mm-hmm. who you try to get. It's more of a hustle and bustle. So although I bring up names like Brenton Buckner, maybe Chris Rump, you know, could be a possibility there too. I, I just think that, man, it's hard for a guy to leave the pro level to come to the college level because of the recruiting aspect of it. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. 100%. And that's why I, I think Mary is one of the guys you'd listen to, but maybe not. A guy that um... – and I'm looking at the Clemson Insider list, and you can uh, they've got a list out here of possible candidates. And one guy they mentioned, and it's kind of surprised me, Pete Golding, the Alabama defensive coordinator. Um, you know, uh, it kind of goes with what I was saying earlier, Levon. Clemson can fork out the money. We know that. They paid Brent Venables $2.5 million. Um, They could go over there to Nick Saban's guy and say, hey, look, man, we'll give you a little bit more money. You want to come over here to Clemson? Same kind, of, same kind of scheme, really, what they do. This is a young um, defensive mind. Now, the only thing about him is that he's on people's radars to be a head coach soon. So do you want to bring a guy on that maybe in a year or two is leaving you again and leaving you in the same position you're already in? I think that's going to be important for Dabo uh, in this hire that he gets a guy that's going to be here like Brent was, maybe not 10 years, but maybe at least five. And I think that's important. Um, another guy that they yeah, brought but up. Do you want to miss out on a really great coach? Because you could just hire another coach a year after him, somebody who'll be ready and groomed. So I don't know. I, I think you do have a point, but sometimes you may just have to get the hot guy or the guy who's really proven, who may leave you, but he can continue your defensive tradition um, at least for a couple of years. Yeah. Dan Lanning, the Georgia defensive coordinator, is another guy on this list. Uh, possibly as a guy. Uh, we mentioned uh, Manny Diaz. We mentioned Marion Hobby, um, both guys. Now, if you're thinking about it within the staff, you know, I know a lot of people think Todd Bates, maybe so. Um, but Todd, Todd doesn't have the experience necessarily that some guys do. But then there's a guy named Mike Reed. Good I like friend of both I... me and you. Uh, Mike, Mike's been in there seven years. Um, he's, he's worked with Venables all seven years. Um, he's the most tenured guy now on that defensive staff. Now that Brent's left, um, he makes sense if you want to stay within because you can keep your same system and everything. He knows how to do it. Now he'll put his own little flair on it. I'm sure. Right. But in overall, it would be the same. And he's the guy that's worked with Venables on all the secondary schemes and what you do. So right. maybe he makes a little sense too. maybe, maybe and, and Mike, Mike promotion. I, I, and sometimes I think, you know, from a when you get the perspective from a secondary coach, it really helps out the DBs as far as not putting them in arm's way as far as a coordinator. A lot of times I kind of like the, the defensive back kind of coordinators mm-hmm. because their main thing is not getting beat deep <laughs> and making sure that you're not giving up the big pass plays. So um, he makes a lot of sense as well because – not only that, but he's been around for a while, and the guys are familiar with him. Yeah. Now, here's two guys that they listed that um, are – I think this is the out – you know, stretching far out there kind of thing. Uh-huh. But it does kind of make sense when you think about it. 
Rex and Rob Ryan. Boy, that's reaching. Yeah, it's reaching. But it makes sense in a way because both their kids played for Dabo Sweeney. They both love Clemson. I mean, to this day, Rex Ryan still wears Clemson clothes. You know, he loves Clemson. Um, But let's just be honest. Rex has a great job there with ESPN, works on all that stuff they do there. And then, um, and then Rob, of course, then I, you know, he's, um, he's working back with the Ravens. He's a, I think a position coach on their staff at the Ravens. Again, I don't know if Rob, they're both, and then they're 58 years old, you know, you know, by the way, they're both twins in case you didn't know that. Uh, So they're 58 years old. I don't know if you want to get a guy who's 58 and then also, you know, I don't know if either one of them would want to come to be honest with you. Well, first and foremost, I I just, I don't like those two Mm -hmm. hires at all oh well, i think me and you personally have an issue with it because they were the ra- they're ravens it's not so much that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so much that it's just that will they be relatable good point but as a as a professional or nfl coach you don't have to really deal with so much of the politics of recruiting meeting families in that nature will they be Will they be a good fit for a Southeast team that's kind of more so conservative values? Uh, I don't know if they would be a good fit. Yeah, I'm with they would you. have to deal with they would have to deal with the fan base. And if you ever watch, if you ever listen to them talk, they got they got some mouths on them, and they're going to tell you. And they're you know they're I, I think they work really well in the NFL. I just don't know how well they would work in the in college football. I mean, they do have a wealth of knowledge as far as defense is concerned. Mm-hmm. That's not my problem. I think my problem is they're going to offend some people. I'm telling you, some people are not going to like those two, guys, like one or either both of those guys <laughs> coaching. They're going to rub people the wrong way. Yeah. That, and I just don't know if that's going to be a, a really good fit. No, I, I agree with you 100% on that. Now, I know some people have asked me, uh, talking about uh, Pete Golding and talking about um, Dan Lanning, like why would those two guys lead the schools they're in for Clemson? And first of all, I need to remind you, Brent Venables came to Clemson from where? That would be Oklahoma. Oklahoma. So Clemson has done this in the past. Dabo has plucked another team's co- defense coordinator and brought them here. So we don't know what's going on behind the scenes – Brent wasn't happy at Oklahoma, and Brent has said many, many times that Dabo Sweeney brought the love of football back to him because at Oklahoma it got too businesslike, where it was just business, business, business. He said Dabo Sweeney brought the love of football and coaching and what it's all about back to him and family. And so it's like, you know, Brent really said, you know, that he really – his family needed – the move to Clemson. Now, it was great for his family uh, because he got to spend more family time. And that's the point I'm making here. We've all heard the horror stories working for Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. You know, coaches will say, you, you're going to learn a lot. You're going to – he's going to make you a better coach. But, boy, it's going to be hell working for him. And we've heard that many coaches have said that that have left there. All right. I would imagine Kirby Smart's probably the same way. He's, you know, he's been very influenced by Nick. So, you know, you can see Dan Lanning also maybe if Clemson were to come and approach him to say, 
you know, I can get money. I'm only making one point. Both those guys are only making 1.5. They're both young. And you're thinking, you know, you know, I could go over there to Clemson. Brent Venables proved it. I could go there for a few years, do what he did. And, and, dominate. I have, and dominate and have a family life also. Like, and also have, you know, people still believe in job security. And there's another thing. You know, people believe in, you know, can I go to a place for five years where I know it's going to be, it should be a very solid place for me and my family to land. My family could, you know, especially when you're talking about kids, kids usually need and want that uh, stability. Mm -hmm. They want to go to uh, the same high school for four years. They want to have the same friends they have in their freshman year. They want to be, you know, recognized as a senior things of that nature. So I think that, especially when you're talking about Dabo, I think Dabo is a very convincing guy. He can convince you to, to work for him and want to work for him. And it's a good atmosphere. And a lot of times things are about atmosphere. Mm -hmm. You know, are you in the right atmosphere? And if you are, you can flourish. So why wouldn't if, I mean, you're in one arena that's, Good for you as far as your career is concerned, but man, it's tough. I mean, it's a stressful job. It's always expectations. And not that Clemson's not like that, but what I've seen from the outside looking in, Clemson's more of a family-oriented kind of spot. And that's a big deal. I, I think that's why Tony and and Brent Venables found it, found it very hard and had to only leave because of the right situation. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't a coach that's maybe been somewhere where it's a little tougher, the working environment is not as friendly, why wouldn't you take that job? Exactly. Why wouldn't you take that chance? Yeah. And, like, you know, if you look at, like, like LeVon, so, like, during the season even, like, Dabo, he's, he's been known, like, he's gone in there and he's seen Brent working. And he'd go in there and tell Brent, hey, what are you doing? Like, you know, like, it's be, like, 7, 8 o'clock at night during the season. He'd be like, what are you doing? He'd be like, I'm watching film. He's like, well, that'll be here in the morning. You need to go home to your family. That's that's kind of like uh, Bruce Arians kind of thing. Yeah. It was so funny, man. When I was in Arizona and I was like the assistant under the assistant and where my station was, you would see Bruce Arians leaving every day around five something. Mm -hmm. He'll be out of there. And he'll basically say the same thing. Oh, it's still going to be there when you get back. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's not going anywhere. It's not going nowhere. And, like, on Sundays during the season, Dabo tells his coaches, I really don't want you to come in here until after church. Mm -hmm. You know, well, I think they meet around 1 or 2 o'clock. He wants you to go. He's like, go home, be with your families, go to church, have Sunday dinner, then come on into the office and we'll work. Yeah. And that's the way they do it. And they'll work through – they'll work to the early evening, and then they will leave around – eight nine o'clock and they leave and go home and then start it up again but tony dungy has proven to you to coaches that you don't have to stay in there all day to be successful i think that mentality came from uh, i want to say uh who was the coach at the red uh when it was the Reds? george game? allen not george allen but uh, joe gibbs joe gibbs yeah joe okay. gibbs would stay all day all night in the morning and that's what other coaches and so that trend just kind of followed coaches where 
everybody felt like, well, we got to stay in here. And in a lot of ways, I understood that because watching film was different than it is right now. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day, man, you had to slice all that film yourself. Yeah. You had to put it all together. So it took you a while to do all that stuff. Now you can basically go to your <clears throat> IT guy or your video guys and say, hey, give me all the first and tens yeah. runs. You go back to your desk, bam, it's right there. So in a lot of ways, too, with the with technology, you don't have to spend hours and hours charting um, first and ten plays and third. Right. And you don't have to do that. And then a lot of times, like even when I coach at Arizona, you almost have to be careful not to overanalyze, not to be chasing after ghosts. Because <laughs> after a while, you'd be chasing after ghosts. Oh, what they do five years ago? Who cares? Yeah. It's not now. What they do now? What they did last game? I mean, really, a lot of times you don't want to get too caught up in what they did against an opponent twelve weeks ago because mm-hmm. they're probably not even the same team. So a lot of times, you you know, guys that will stay there is like I don't know if it. Maybe some guys are like that. That's their personality. I get it. Yeah, but I I think in today's game you may not have to do that as much, and we're learning a lot about you know taking rest, taking you know um, working differently. Your method doesn't have to be I got to work all day, I got to stay in the office, I got to do that. They talk about getting that rest. They take they talk about taking some time away from your work to get to be refreshed from what you you know what you've been doing. So it's a different atmosphere now. Yeah. And then at Clemson on Wednesdays, uh, you know, not every school does this. I know some people probably think they do, but not every school does what Dabo does and where the players, I mean, the player, the coaches' families are allowed into the facility. They watch practice. They see because they, so the kids can go out there on the field and hang with their dad while he's coaching, you know, on the sidelines, of course, out of the way, not getting in the way. But, they're there so that, that dad, they can see dad and dad can see them. And then they have dinner with the team yeah. that night after practice. Not everybody does that. Not everybody does yeah. that. And that, that is it, a huge it, thing for Clemson. In Arizona, I'm, I'm telling you, man, it must be the Tony Dungy model because in Arizona they did the same thing. Every yeah. Saturday, the, you know, Saturday mornings, the families could come to practice mm-hmm. and just watch practice and be on the field. When I came up in college football, that was <laughs> never the case. You would never see only you, you saw families, but only like during the like when the game or yeah. something like that. Well, Bobby Bowden, time- Bobby Bowden did it when he's at Florida yeah. State. His son Tommy, who was with him on staff there, saw that. So when Tommy became a head coach, he did it to Lane. He brought it to Clemson and did the same thing at Clemson. Dabo, yeah. of course. It was like you, Dabo played for Gene Stallings. That didn't happen when he was with Gene Stallings. But Dabo saw how that worked well at Clemson mm-hmm. and how well it made – and because he experienced it. He's like, man, I get to see my family, you know. Right. So Dabo kept that and says, we're going to continue to do that. You know, we're going to make this a family atmosphere. And, yeah, I mean – and you've seen, like you said, you've seen uh, Bruce Arians do it, you, Tony Dungy do it. You know, these are all these are Hall of Fame Super Bowl winning coaches we're talking about. Right. Bobby Bowden, you know, these guys, they knew what they were doing. So why not copycat them and say, well, let's they, do it? They understood that there, there had to be a balance. 
mm-hmm. that you just couldn't work guys to death. And sometimes the college football's the the work schedule for coaches is just ridiculous. Like they really should let those guys get more of a break. Like those guys should be able to take a month off. And but it's such a it's such a a rat race for recruits that nobody feels like we can take any time off. Mm-hmm. You know that we're you know unless it's just individual programs that say, hey, let's take several, you know, let's take at least three months off where we don't have to, we're not doing any of that. But man, some of these recruits are so demanding. They want you to talk to them. You know, they want you to call them 24 mm-hmm. seven. You know, they want you to be like kissing butt all the time. Yeah. So I, I think it's difficult for college coaches. And people think that NFL is tougher. It's not. I've been in NFL where after the season was over with, we had like a month or so off. A whole month. <laughs> where you didn't have to worry about football or, you know, drawing up things or gathering information. So, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I did mention Princeton, but Princeton's probably like, Ain't no way in hell I'm going to do all that. <laughs> so I get it. I get it from that standpoint. But, yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, there has to be an outlet for coaches, man. You just can't work somebody to just death. It's, it's, that atmosphere cannot possibly be healthy. And we've seen studies that show that those kind of atmospheres are not healthy, especially when you talk about COVID and and all that and how that plays a part is just different than what it was. And you're going to have to really roll with those changes. Well, definitely. And so Dabo's going to be, uh, is going to be, he's got, he's got a long list of candidates. I think Dabo always has a plan. Like you said, LaVon, I'm sure he's been, he's got a plan in action that he had a couple years ago, knowing yeah, that man. these two, these guys could possibly leave one day and, and there's no doubt in my mind that he's got a uh, plan in action, and and he's already probably the moment Venables told him he was leaving, he probably made a call immediately. I bet you ten to one, knowing Dabo, he didn't waste any time, even if he was at a Raiders game. <laughs> yeah, man. Speaking of the Raiders, man, our, our boy Hunter Renfro is becoming the pro. Man, I, he's becoming a big time pro. Speaking of wide receivers, Clemson wide receivers, can they? Can can uh, the Clemson wide receivers stop haunting our Pittsburgh Steelers? Uh, Sammy Walkage yesterday made what could have been potentially the game-winning touchdown <laughs> in that yeah. game. T. Course, Higgins is just doing what he did at Clemson. T. Higgins killed us there, and then yeah. Hunter Renfro yeah. killed us late, and then Mike Williams had the winning touchdown. It's like yeah. could these? I, I was like, these Clemson players are haunting me. They're they're really haunting me. These wide receivers yeah. are. And yeah. and DeAndre Hopkins could possibly be the best wide receiver in the NFL. Thank goodness we don't got to play Arizona. When I say I we, I mean that. our Pittsburgh Steelers don't have I to know, play Arizona. I mean, thank goodness we don't have to play him because he's a he's a he's a beast. He's a beast. He was a beast in college, man. He, you know, he just he's playing beside Sammy, but man, he was that kid could absolutely play. He has the hands. Uh, he's going to be probably the next uh, Hall of Famer. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Nuke Hopkins. And I hope Nuke gets a chance to win a Super Bowl. That's what I, I hope. hope. He may have a chance this year. I hope so. Because, I, yeah, you know, obviously, obviously me and you want our Steelers to win the Super Bowls. There's no doubt. But if I'm not – if the Steelers aren't in the mix, I'm going to pull for Arizona because of Nuke. 
because he's a local kid. I watched yeah. him play. I covered him in high school. Right. And then I covered him at Clemson. And now he's in the NFL and he's doing his thing. And I, I just really proud of him. And I just, I would love to see him win the Super Bowl. I got to ask you a question. What is it like to cover a kid like that that you know is going to be special? What's that like? You it see was, him in high school and just like, man, this kid, if he keeps going, he's going to be amazing. And to see it all play out. You know how special he was, Levon? He I was, really I, – I, I, I imagine he was. I just don't know. He was our, he was our player of the year in our, in a, for our newspaper. We do players of the year for basketball, football. He was our player of the year every year for football and basketball. <laughs> wow. And we couldn't give it to anybody else. Like, you know, you can't – it's like, well, you got to give it – you know, you know when, you, when you cover high school athletics in the newspaper – People think it's fair. You, you got to, like – you got to try to be fair because, you know, you want to be equal – but Nuke was so dominant. I mean, you dominant. Do the right thing. You got to do the right thing and say, this kid's the best player. Like, I can't just give it to somebody just because, you right. know. Um, and he, he won it three years in a row um, in, in both sports. And, um, and the thing that was – but I remember the first time, I think I said this the other day, the first game I watched him play was against Woodmont his sophomore year. Now, he didn't play as a freshman – for Daniel because he was trying basketball and he wanted to get basketball a shot. So, um, you know, I remember um, Coach Bowden telling me about, man, they got to get that new Copkins kids out. Coach ba Tommy right. Bowden was telling me this, like they got to get this new Copkins kids out to play football because he he's good Trust at basketball. Me, I guarantee they were trying to. Yeah, he's good at basketball, but he's great at football. Yeah. And um, so they finally talked him in to coming back out, his uh, Coach Rob did. Um, and, and uh, coach, that's the former coach at Daniel at the time, Coach Randy Robinson. So Randy got him to come back out his sophomore year, and he ended up setting the state record for interceptions in a season, any mm -hmm. classification. He had thirteen playing the safety position, Ooh. and he was a ball hawk man. He knew what every receiver was doing. He knew what the quarterback was doing. Like he already knew. Like you know, you know how you talk about. Skowski just knowing what was going to happen. That's mm -hmm. how Nuke was as a high school defensive player. And so, like, I remember seeing the first game against Woodmont. He just sat there and watched the quarterback the whole way. He played his position, but he watched the quarterback and just kind of hawked him. And that quarterback ended up, like, throwing the ball right to him. And Nuke takes it, snares, just snatches it, jumps up like he does, takes it out of the air, and then just proceeds to make every player on that Woodmont team miss him on his way to the end zone. And you're just sitting there like, whoa. And I really did. True story. I looked over. I believe it was Bob Costello with the Greenville News. And I looked over to Bob and I said, he's going to play on Sundays. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, you know, I didn't know if he was going to play safety or wide receiver, but in that game, he dominated. He was clearly the a man amongst boys in right. that game. And he ended up just dominating that season. And I think they went on to play for the state championship. I don't think they won it, but they played for it. Um, and then it was like that his whole career there. And so I got to see Jarvis Jenkins. Mm -hmm. And he was playing at Daniel. Man, he was special. Wow. Um, Deshaun Williams, who now plays in the league, got to mm -hmm. see him play. Shaq Lawson uh, right. the same way. Got to, so I saw those guys move from Daniel to Clemson into the NFL, into the careers they're all having now. 
And uh, just proud of all those young guys and just oh, yeah. wish them nothing but the best. Jarvis, of course, he's since retired. He was the old man of the bunch. You know, he's uh, he's retired last year um, after playing, I think, nine, ten years in the league. Um, mm-hmm. But, man, he was a he was a very good NFL defensive lineman. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jarvis, yeah. You know, so um, – and Deshaun's having a good long career now. He's going into his, what, eighth season uh, now in that, the NFL? And you can get past three, man, you're – you're beating the odds. Yeah, so real You're proud of those odds. guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's really cool. I mean, I always just kind of wonder about that. Even at Lamar, we've had five guys to go to the NFL, which is phenomenal for a 1A school to have that many guys in the last 25 years to go into the NFL. And we may have another guy. Um, I was named Kobe, De- Kobe Durant that may uh-huh. – from South Carolina State, that may have an opportunity to go into the NFL. Oh, yeah. I remember him this past year. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. He, he played big at Clemson, well, yeah. against Clemson. So, it's always kind of wonderful to see that happen. We see guys from their high school years progress through college and go into the NFL. That's really cool. And, by the way, uh, congratulations to the Daniel Lions. They won their second straight state championship on Saturday. I saw that, yes. Um, so, congr- I mean, on Friday. So, congratulations to them. Um, also, congratulations to my school. They uh, they finished second. Bamberg Earhart finished second. Uh, they ended up losing to Southside Christian in the state championship. Yeah, we lost those guys too. Yeah, so yeah, right we mean you can empathize with yes, each other. Can. So, uh, but congratulations to them for for, for uh, getting to the state championship game again, and and hopefully, you know, maybe the next time they get there, they can win it. But Levon still in the class, the 1990 Bamberg team is still the last team to win a state championship of football. So, right. um, you know, of course, I say that because that was my senior year. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, we never got – we never did that, but there has been um, – Lamar has really been a, uh, a team that's done very well as far as football is concerned. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I first came to Clemson, man, nobody knew where Lamar was. Nobody. I think now more people are familiar with Lamar. Yeah. And that kind of makes me proud. Well, that you help put you help put it on the map, buddy. I mean, you should. Yeah, we 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 did, man. I mean, not just only me, but some other guys as well. But you know, to be the first guy to go into the NFL, man, it was uh, it was my my dream was always uh, that other guys may follow that example, and we've had um, four of the guys to do it. So that's kind of cool. That's got to be cool though for you, man. Because see, I like I like see my buddies' names on the sign, and it says Bamberg. Home of Mookie Wilson, right. home of Daquan Bowers, home of Ricky, Ricky Sapp. I see that out there, and a couple other guys too that play Major League Baseball and stuff like that too. Um, and that's cool. Like um, the Kane kid now who plays with the Jacksonville mm-hmm. Jaguars. Um, you know that stuff's cool. What's it like for you? And we'll get back. You know, we'll start talking about the bowl game here in a second. Uh, what's that like for you to see your name up there and like? You were the well, guy. You were the you're the Mookie Wilson of Lamar. Like we all looked right. at Mookie, we all looked at Mookie like, oh my gosh, Mookie, because Mookie proved to us that we can do anything we want if we really right. strive for it. You're that guy in Lamar. What's that feel like? You know, if it was a good feeling, but I have to say that my parents did such a good job of raising us and how not to forget where you came from and how to treat other people with respect. And so although I knew that I was living on, on, on another plane, another atmosphere. I always try to come back home so other kids could see it. So mm-hmm. I used to come back home and stay home with my parents for my first seven years of the NFL 
because I wanted other kids to see me at home and that I went, that I was from Lamar and that for some reason that some kid would look at that and say like, okay, yeah, if he did it, I can do it. And I used to tease the, I used to tease the coaches at Clemson. I used to say, Hey, every 10 years, go to Lamar high and you're going to find your kid. <laughs> and guess what? It's almost been like that. It really like has. Almost every 10 years, there's a kid from Lamar that has that kind of potential and ends up being a very good player. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. That's the way it should be. And I remember Mookie when I was a kid. He come back like I learned to run bases from Mookie Wilson. I love to tell that's people amazing. that story because Mookie was one of the greatest at it in the major yeah. baseball. And uh, and it's, a, it's like so cool to, that he would come home and would spend that time with us, mm-hmm. you know, and that was just to me, it was just like when you're a little kid and Mookie Wilson's like, here's this major league baseball player who played at your high school, yeah. you know, he's from your hometown area. He's from your County. You know, it's like, you're like, wow. Yeah. It blows you away. And I remember that as a young, as a young kid, like how awesome that was. And mm-hmm. like, you know, how proud the city of Bamberg was and how proud the city was that he would come home and treat right. Bamberg as home still. Like he, Bamberg Earhart was still home to him. And I yep. love that. And it still is today. Like, you know, yeah. and, and um, so, you know, that's awesome that you did that. It's awesome. Mookie did that because it does. There are guys like me that registers. We see right. it and we recognize it. And we're like, wow, if he could do it, I can do it. And it doesn't no mean just like, it. and it doesn't mean just like become a great football player, baseball player. Yeah. It this means is, become whatever, the heck, have, whatever you want to be become successful at it. And that's what Mookie mm-hmm. taught me. So, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I'm sure not just me, but other guys grew up at the same time I did. You know? Right. So, yeah. No question about it. Yeah. So, man, I appreciate you doing that, man. That's a great story. I'm glad to, you shared that one. Um, let's talk about this bowl game real fast. LeVon. That's kind of like, mm-hmm. we need to kind of do that before we get out of here. Um, Clemson's playing Iowa state in this game. And what I can tell you is Iowa state is a lot like Clemson. Uh, there was a lot of hype for them at the beginning of the year. Um, they Indeed. were a top. They were a top ten team, and now they're nowhere to be seen in the top ten. They actually finished the year seven and five, five and four in the Big Twelve, um, and they are um, uh, now. They do have a very good defense. They're ranked tenth in the country in total defense. It's the exact same defense. Clemson has seen everybody play them this year, which is. The three-three pipe. Yes, it is. Uh, so they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna see a lot of it in this game. Oh my God. <laughs> so, so give us a little thoughts of you know just what little bit you know right now of Iowa. State. I don't really, I don't really know uh, a great deal. I probably know a lot more uh, after today. But we talked about the three-three five. The one of the things about the three-three five that I. I like it could be easily a three, four mm-hmm. and you can do a lot of different things from the three, five concept. And, and a lot, if you don't see it a lot as, as an office online, it can be confusing. Yes. It can be big time confusing. But what I do think is that Clemson's office line has really had a lot of improvement and they're better than what they were. And these guys can run the ball pretty well. We're still not there in the passing game just yet, but we have at least a one-two, and sometimes you can say a three-punch 
that we can probably run the ball really well on a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting game. They have to also face our defense, who's been in the top, in the tops as far as categories are concerned, <clears throat> has been a top-notch defense, especially these last two games. Um, you sure they're going to be ready for it. These guys are going to be motivated. So I think it's going to be a really good game, but I will have to look at Iowa State a little bit more and give you some more information as we go along and we talk about the bowl game. But I'm, I'm sure it's going to be a, a bowl game. You're in a great atmosphere, Orlando. You're going to have a, a, a great time. So mm-hmm. I, I feel that both teams will come in and try to come in ready. And they're going to want to win this game. Yeah, that game, by the way, will be uh, the Cheez It Bowl, as we said. Um, it's going to be on December the 29th. Um, it's a 5:45 kickoff on ESPN. Um, so um, get you sit, make mark that down on your calendar. By the way, Clemson finished uh, 19th in the uh, college football playoff poll. Uh, marks the um, eighth year in a row since the playoff poll era began that Clemson finished ranked in the poll. Uh, 17th in 2014 and then 19 this year. Those are the two lowest. The other six years they finished in the top four. Uh, so, uh, uh, so, but, but still to finish ranked is always a good thing as well. Um, this is the first time the Tigers will play a Big 12 team since beating Oklahoma in the 2015 Orange Bowl Classic. Clemson is six and seven all time versus current Big 12 teams. 0 and 1 against Baylor. They lost in the 1979. Uh, Peach Bowl <clears throat> to the Baylor Bears. Um, that was a, a game that Mike Singletary was the middle linebacker. I was going to say, did Mike Singletary play for that team? He did. He okay. did. That was his, actually his senior year at, at, at Baylor. Uh, Clemson is 3-2 and two versus Oklahoma, of course, winning the last three times they've played them. Um, yes. uh, so, and that would be, of course, LeVon, you were one of those three times in the Citrus Bowl, uh, the same, same, same stadium. That's, they're going to be playing that in this one. You beat them 13 to six in the 1988 Citrus Bowl. It, it was funny that 1988 Citrus Bowl because Oklahoma looked at us like we were trash. Mm-hmm. They did. They looked at us like, oh, we're just going to kill you guys. Remember what Barry Switzer said afterwards? Well, they got to win 72 straight games to do what we've done. And it's right. like, and Rodney but says, today, though, <laughs> today we beat you. And, yes. uh, and Clemson has beat them the last two times they've played them. Of course, 40 to six again in that same yeah. stadium in, mm-hmm. in 2014, 40 to six. And then, then again, in the orange bowl, as I mentioned previously, they beat them in the college football playoff. So right. Clemson's won three straight against Oklahoma. Clemson is two and two versus TCU, including a 27, a, no, a 23 to seven bowl win over TCU in the 1959 blue bonnet bowl, the first ever blue bonnet bowl. And the tigers are one and one against West Virginia. Of course, we will talk about the uh, one game um, with them, a 1989 game against West Virginia. We won't mention the 2012 game against West Virginia. <laughs> that 1989 game sounds familiar. <laughs> 1989 game is very familiar. Can, can, can I tell you a, a quick story about that game? Sure, go ahead. There was – we had we, I was at a banquet with Danny Ford and, and maybe Wesley McFadden. We were the two representatives – that was going to that little dinner. Right. And man, I saw the Gator Bowl trophy. And I just kind of stared at that trophy. And I was like, that would look really good at my house. <laughs> that that was, I just kind of like, yeah, I want that trophy. You're talking about the MVP trophy? The MVP trophy. Yeah. 
And it happened. It was funny because, you know, sometimes you put words out there. And no, if you speak it into existence, it happens. You speak it into, you know, we really have a lot of, you know, a lot of times our destiny is really in our hands. It's kind of what we speak. Yeah. And absolutely. I just remember speaking those words. And at the end of the game, man, and major, if, if people don't know what Major Harris was like, it was like playing Lamar Jackson at that time. Yeah. And he was second in the Heisman. The whole Gator Bowl was about Major Harris. That's who they highlighted that whole time. It was like he was the most unstoppable quarterback you've ever seen in your life. And that first drive, we were like, oh, boy. Yeah. Then when I got that sack on him, man, it was – from that point on, it was on. <laughs> and we got was- after them. And it was an amazing, amazing victory for us. Yeah, y'all dominated them 27-7 to that day. Um but we won't talk about what happened in the Orange Bowl in 2012. That had nothing to do with you, so we don't have to talk about it. It really didn't. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. um, this will be Clemson's – this is amazing. This will be Clemson's 48th bowl appearance overall. The Tigers are 25-22 and 22 all-time in bowl games, including 2-1 and one record in what is now the Cheez-It Bowl, which formerly has been known as the Tangerine Champs and the, the Russell Tangerine Athletic Bowl. Okay. Yeah, t- Tangerine Champs and Athletic Bowl, Russell Athletic Bowl. Clemson lost to Texas Tech in the 2002 – Tangerine Bowl, they beat Colorado in the 2005 Chance Bowl, and of course, as you mentioned earlier, beat Oklahoma in the 2014 Russell Athletic Bowl. Clemson has a 10 and 7 record in bowl games under Dabo Sweeney, including a 2 and 2 record in the CFP National Championship game, which is recognized by the NCAA as a bowl game. So, a lot of people yeah. out there wondering, like, how could he have 17 bowl games? Well, that's how, because he played he played in four championship games. Um, the contest will be. Uh, the first all-time meeting between the Tigers and the Cyclones, Clemson has won four of its last five games against Big 12 opponents, including postseason victories against Oklahoma in 14 and 15, Clemson's late, latest two Big 12 foes. Uh, the bowl berth extends Clemson's school record of 17 straight bowl appearances, the longest such streak in the ACC and the fifth longest streak in the country. Clemson's 17-year streak dates to its champ sports bowl win against Colorado and Orlando close the 2005 season though Clemson did not make a bowl appearance in 2004 Clemson has been bowl eligible in 23 consecutive seasons dating to the 2009 appearance in the Peach Bowl of course the 2004 Tigers did not go bowling due to a self bowl ban the school put on itself following the brawl that occurred in the Clemson Carolina game to close the regular season so the only reason who do you think win that brawl the fight who won it oh Clemson won it I thought so. We had, we, yeah, we were, yeah, we were beating yeah. them up. Clemson won that. I mean, you, there's pictures out there to say that Clemson won it. <laughs> Helmets uh, that, being I, I was thrown that, in the stands. I was at that game. That was a huge fight, boy. That, I was there too. I was like on the sideline because we were down there the last five minutes. Back in those days, we were allowed to go down the last five minutes. And um, so I was down on the sideline and that thing broke. And I said to the person next to me, thank the Lord that this is a noon kickoff. Because if this game was a night game and this yeah, happened, alcohol, there it was some it, beer bottles, everything. It would have been bad. It yeah. would have been bad. So, so the Lord blessed us that day, that game, being that it stayed between the two teams and the, the rednecks stayed on the sidelines and the yeah, rednecks man, they, the it, fans. Those, I mean, it seemed like that fight started from like the fifty and went all the way back to um, end zone. Dude, it, it. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, it just it Me was either. all over the place. I mean, it was on both sides, different fights going on. It was like, you know, Lou, I remember I, to this day, Lou Holtz doing everything he can to keep his players, you know, saying, guys, 
guys, don't, don't do, don't do this. Don't do this. You know, I'll never forget that. And it's unfortunate. That's how Lou Holtz's last memory in college football is. It really yeah, is and, unfortunate. And I thought Lou Holtz did a really good job. I think he left South Carolina in a better spot than what they were. Oh, there, he left him in a better spot than what Steve Spurrier left him in. Yeah, Steve Spurrier is like, deuces, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, good luck. I, I can, if I hurry, I can get a tea time. A lot of people if I like, hurry, I can get a tea time right now. Yeah, and, and do understand so Steve Spurrier did a ton for South Carolina, and I understand why they consider him a legend. But Lou Holtz, in my opinion, of the two, was the right. better coach. Because the program was way better when he left than when he took yeah. over. It and was he, way better. I mean, he inherited a, a club that just – And nothing against anyway. Brad Scott, but the program right. was not good at that point. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And, and I, I love Coach Scott. Don't get me wrong, but it just – it never worked for him. He could not figure it out. He could not get the right pieces in place. And it goes to show you, too, that – But it's hard to win in Columbia. Yeah, that is it is hard. Well, it, it's hard for some people to win at Columbia. <laughs> if you know what I mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> not okay. for the team in orange. Not not for the team in orange. Yeah, that, that's not hard for us to win at all. But it goes to show you that sometimes, you know, like guys like Mac Brown, guys like that, you know, they could do a program good. You know, I know everybody's kind of looking for the hot shot or the hot guy, but sometimes guys who coach for a while who's been successful they could be jump starters for your program. They may not be the long-term plan, mm-hmm. but they can be a jump start for your program. Absolutely. I agree. And Lou Holtz did that. Um, give him credit for that. But yeah, that's the last time Clemson did not go to a bowl game. It had nothing to do with Clemson not getting bowl eligible. It's just Clemson. That's had know, a big fight. They got in a big fight. And so that kind of yes. kept it from coming. Um, at nine and three, Clemson will enter the cheese at bowl in search of its 11th consecutive 10 win season. That's amazing. Uh, which would be uh, number three all-time by itself if they can do that. So, um, uh, you know, I think they might be – no, they're tied with Virginia Tech right now, I think, um, with 10 straight. Um, That's amazing. People don't understand how hard it is to win double digits in college football. It's it's hard because you only play 12 to 13 games a year, so it's not easy to do. Yeah. You know. And for Clemson to have done that, has been as consistent as has. And even in what we would call a down year, most teams would – do you know how many teams would give their left arm for just only losing three games? Uh, ever, uh, almost everybody that's ranked Almost everybody, Clemson. except for the yeah. guys in the top four. Yeah. Like, well, let's look at it this way. At Clemson, they're going to be – they could finish 10-3 and three possibly. Mm-hmm. Okay. At NC State, they also could be 10-3. That mm-hmm. is going to be considered one of the greatest seasons in NC State football No question. History. Yep. For Clemson, it's considered a down year. That's all you need to do to put put it in perspective. That's it. And, and 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 but but it should understand how hard it is to do because look at NC State how they're celebrating it. Yeah. Look at Wake Forest how they're celebrating it. They they right. just had their second ever ten win season. Wake Forest has. Right. Come on, you know how many ten win seasons South Carolina's had? Gosh, I don't even know. Maybe six or seven. No, no more than ten. Four. Four. They only have four. Okay. Only had four. I knew it wasn't more than 10 years. 19, 1984. 10 times. And then the three 11 and two seasons they had back to back. Wow. Um, that's their, that's their 10 seat. That's it. So even though, like, so those Joe Morrison, only one of his teams really had that many wins. Though. 
Joe Morrison, Morrison years. They only won eight years. They only had eight wins in, in 78, 79 and 80. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They they never got any better better than eight wins. But the Joe, I'm talking about the Joe Morris coach teams. Oh, you t- oh, I thought you said George Rogers. I don't know why I thought right, you yeah. Talking. Yeah, Joe Morrison, uh, when he coached, um, he um his his yeah, the nineteen eighty four black magic season was the only 10 win season he they had. Okay. You know, but like you said, it's hard to do it. You guys won what five straight from nineteen eighty seven to nineteen ninety one, right? Is that right? Or nineteen? No, we we lost. We had one year where we won nine games. You won four straight from nineteen eighty seven. Yeah, we won four straight though. Yeah. So and that that was that was the record at Clemson until this current run. You know, right. it's hard to do. You know, so it's not an easy feat. Um. So anyway, also a uh, Iowa State finished the regular season as I said seven and four, five and five. Of course, Clemson is. Nine and three, six and two. Um, a victory in the Cheez It Bowl would give uh, Clemson head coach Dabo Sweeney um, his eleventh win, which would tie Bobby Bowden for the most bowl victories in ACC history. Uh, Bowden had eleven of his twenty-one career wins uh, during uh, Florida State's membership in the ACC. So, in other words, Bowden's got twenty-one wins, but eleven of them came when he was in the mm-hmm. ACC. So that would Dabo could tie Bobby Bowden with the most as an ACC coach. So, wow. um, so that's uh, – he's already passed, of course, set the Clemson record. He passed both uh, Danny Ford and Frank Howard a few years back for that. Um, so, so there's some uh, kind of notes around the, uh, the bowl game and all as we get you ready for this game. we got a bunch we're going to do a lot. And LeVon probably going to have some more news come out through the course of the day. As me and you have been talking, I've been trying to figure out if there's anything new to report. Um, and there's not. So <laughs> here's uh, there probably will be some. Yeah, it will probably be some news coming on. Man. There's some that we got. So stay tuned. Tony Elliott's out there, whether he's going to end up going to Duke. I know he seems to be the favorite for that job. They've already interviewed him um, on Sunday. Um, so I think maybe they're going to interview a couple more candidates. But Tony Elliott seems to be one of the favorites for that job. He's also one of the favorites for the Virginia job, though. I think they want the Poindexter guy from Penn State. Um, okay. I think to be their coach, I think that's the main target for them. We'll see what happens there. And then, of course, Dan Radakovich still no official word out of Miami on that deal. Um, as, and we'll let you know as soon as we know. You can follow me on at Steeler Will on Twitter um, for all the latest in those situations. And um, Levon, man, it's crazy, man. So tomorrow we'll come back with probably some more news to give. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Gonna be fun, man. Well, it's been a good podcast, man. It's been fun talking about it, talking football, talking bowl games, talking coaching, all that good stuff that comes with it, man. Appreciate your time today. Oh man, thank you so much, Will. I really appreciate it. All right, man. So for LeVon Kirkland, I'm Will Vandervoort. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Believe in Clemson Football with LeVon Kirkland.